Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalms 139, is where we're going to be this morning as we finish out our series in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 139. It's been so fun uh, going through some Psalms with you guys. Obviously, you can't do the entire book of Psalms in nine weeks, but we did our best, right? <laughs> Made some good headway. Psalm 139. I, w- I want to start by uh, sharing a story I've actually shared with you before, but it just seems uh, appropriate as we get close to Red Raider football. Y'all excited about that? Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. I remember uh, one of the, I guess maybe the first game Lauren and I went to together uh, 13 years ago or so, and we were walking down University headed towards Jones AT&T Stadium, and as we're walking, uh, this, I'm assuming, college student guy pulls up beside us in his truck, traffic's at a stop, and he's got, he rolls down the window, and he looks at Lauren and I, and he says, Raider! To which we just, again, we were new here, we just looked at him and went, Yeah! <laughs> He again, Raider! We just, woo! (laughs) Finally, he said, say it! So we said, Raider! (laughs) We got to the stadium and realized the proper response was, thank you, yeah, yeah. We were totally oblivious to what the reality was, what was supposed to be said. You know, whether... Uh, you know something or not, whether you're aware of something or not, whether you believe something or not, it doesn't necessarily impact whether it's true or not. Amen. I love what Pastor David has said several times, like commenting on the bumper sticker that says, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. He always says, whether you believe it or not, if God said it, it settles it. It's a done deal. Let me tell you something this morning, that whether you are aware of it Know it, believe it or not, something is true. That is true, and it's this. God knows you. God knows you. Not just from a distance, but intimately. What we're going to do is we just walk through Psalm 139. I think one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture is see the various ways that he knows you. It's my prayer that if, if you're aware of that this morning, maybe your understanding is deepened a little bit. And if you feel cut off and distant from God, that he parts those waters, so to speak, and that you're aware of his intimate knowledge of you. Let's jump in in chapter 139, verse 1. David says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. And when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. That's a little scary. (laughs) You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable 
to reach it. Here's the first thing I want us to see this morning. It's this. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. Look at even the, some of the mundane things that God is aware of. He says in verse two, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. Like, I can't think of many things that are more mundane than just when you sit down and when you stand up. Like, I love my wife dearly. I don't keep tabs on when she stands up and sits down. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't worry about that. God sees every little detail, even the mundane. You understand my thoughts from far away. So let's remember, God is, he's not far away. He's always near. But the, the picture there, David's helping us realize, the truth he's helping us see is that even if, if, if God were far away, he still understands your thoughts. So even if you don't speak him, he doesn't have to hear them. He knows your thoughts. You remember in, in the Gospels, Jesus did that from time to time. He would just say what people were thinking. <laughs> he knows your thoughts. Aren't you glad that someone understands your thoughts? Aren't there times that you're crying? You're like, I don't know why I'm crying. Times you're laughing, you're not sure why you're laughing. God knows. Because he knows you better than you know yourself. You observe my travels and my rest, my coming in, my going. You are aware of all my ways. There's not one thing in your life that God is not aware of. Like, we should pray. We should share concerns, but God is never like, oh, what? How could that be? No, he, he's not surprised. He knows everything. He can start your sentences before you finish. Or Yeah, he, yeah, he can start your sentence. He can finish your sentence before you start it. There we go. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. You've encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. David's saying, God, your intimate knowledge of me, the fact that you know me better than know myself, it's awe-inspiring. It makes me think of, have you ever stood at the foothills of the Rockies? And as you look up, or even if you drive up into the Rockies, you're going to start hiking. There's this awe that happens. If you're willing to put down your phone for a second and, and look at the mountains, it's breathtaking. And, and that's what David is saying in, in regard to God's knowledge of him. He says, it's, it's wondrous, it's lofty, I'm unable to reach it. So I can't quite understand how well you understand me. It's, it's captivating. I had a seminary professor, Dr. Richard Ross, who uh, talked to us about pocket Jesus. That sounds sacrilegious, but hang in there with me. Pocket Jesus. So a lot of us live our lives as if Jesus is just this little pocket figurine we can just put in our pocket or shove in our pocket down here. And that when we want him to be, when we want him to see something in our lives or be a part of something in our lives, we just pull a little pocket Jesus out and we'll let you look at that. And we let him kind of be a part of things. And we put him back in our, our pocket. And we think that he only has access to certain parts of our lives when we allow him into that. Friends, what David is saying, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's not just a part of your life and can only see in when you allow him to. No, he is over and beyond and above all that happens in your life. 
and yet he's still acquainted with the intimate details of your life. He's omniscient. He knows everything about you. He's not just omniscient. He's omnipresent, which means he's, he's everywhere. Look at what it says in verse 7. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. Sheol, the, the place of the dead, the ideas in the depths of the earth. Verse 9. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness, it's not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Second thing we see in this text is this. God knows where you are. Wherever you are, no matter how far you may feel like it is, no matter how, how dark you may feel like it is, God sees you and he knows. You ever played hide and go seek with a little kid? I feel like that's what David says. It's like, if, if, even if he wanted to get away from God's presence, which I think when you read verses 7 through 12 in its entirety, it's clearly he doesn't, it's clear he doesn't want to get away from God's presence. But he said, even if I did want to get away from your presence, I can't hide from you. I can't do it. It's this picture of, like, if I can go as high as I want, as low as I want, as, as far to the east or the west, I can't get away from you. That's why he says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, so you could go out into the most tiny, remote, uninhabited, undiscovered island in the Pacific, and yet God would be there. Even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. The, the idea of verses 11 through 12, again, I don't think he's saying he wants to be hidden from God. The idea is that even if I'm in a situation, a circumstance, I think this is so terrible. This is so awful that surely this darkness will, will cover me. God can't see me. I'm too distant. There's too much cloud in God's vision. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The idea is that God's presence drives out the dark. So no matter where you are, God sees you. He's aware of you. He knows where you are. Whether you feel it or not, he knows where you are. Remember one time, I guess it was about two, three years ago, as uh, kids were two-ish, three. Um, one night, or I guess one morning, about 2.30 in the morning, our little girl came and uh, wanted to get in the bed with Lauren and I, which um, at 2.30 in the morning, sometimes it's just easier to, to roll over than to take them back to the room. You know what I mean? And so uh, she gets in bed, and about every five or ten minutes, she is right beside me. But about every five or ten minutes, I feel this little pat on my face, and she would say, I want my dada. Which it was cute at first, yeah, all. But after the tenth time, you're like, what is going on? Like, we're, we're right here. Well, finally, I just, you know, maybe a moment of wisdom, I reached over and put my arm on her, and she immediately like, was at peace and never did it again, went to sleep. 
Why, why would she do that? I was right there with her. But why did she keep saying, I want my dada? When even though I was right there with her. I think she wanted to know that I knew she was right there. To not just be near her father, but to know my daddy knows where I am. What's he say? Verse 10, even there, I can go as far away as I want, I could run to the end of the earth. Even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. Friend, God knows where you are. You may not feel it, but if you know Jesus Christ, you've been saved by grace through faith, his loving embrace is placed around you no matter where you are. He knows where you are. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. How do we know that? Because he made us. Look at verse 13. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Third truth I want us to see in this text is this. God knows you inside and out. Why? Why does God know you inside and out? Because he made you. God formed you intentionally, meticulously, carefully, regardless of what your parents or your grandparents or your so-called friends have told you, you are not an accident. And the things about you are not an accident. How do you know that? Because it says right here, he made you and it's remarkable and wondrous. So yes, you and I were broken because of the fall, because of sin, meaning broken, not like literally you have a broken arm, maybe you do this morning, but like broken, we're flawed, we're not what God created us to be in its entirety, but we're still a beautiful, amazing, wondrous creation of God. God knows everything about you inside and out. He knows that the, the uh, color of your eyes. He knows the hairs on your head or the lack of hair on your head. He knows what makes you belly laugh. How? Because he made you. He knows what makes your, tear, your eyes swell up with tears. He knows what gets your heart racing when you're anxious. He knows what you're passionate about, what gets you fired up and, and want to make a difference in the world. Why? Because he knows you inside and out because he made you. Well, you don't know me. Maybe I don't. God knows you. <laughs> Everything about you. And there's, there's a certain joy. There's a certain delight that comes to the creator when he sees his creation, a sense of ownership. I was talking with some friends uh, recently, and uh, they were saying that their kids 
And, you know, sometimes in the evenings, on the weekends, we'd spend time doing a drawing or a painting or something. And this one particular Saturday, the mom had sat down with the daughter, and they spent an hour doing these paintings. Well, the dad came home, and later in the afternoon, um, just like a normal thing, he was picking up and throwing artwork away. You know, as much as you want to hang on to these Picasso paintings, like, eh, sometimes they go in the trash, right, if we're honest. Don't tell my kids that. And... So the dad threw away both the daughter's painting and the mom's painting, and the mom immediately was like, is this what our children feel every time I throw their artwork in the trash? Like, she had a profound passion and a pride over what she had created because it was intentional. I've shown this to you before, but it's too cool not to show you one last time. This is an, an elephant that I bought in India. I'm going to set it up here if the camera guys want to do their thing. <laughs> it is, and even from there, you can see a little bit of the detail, but there's more detail I can see that you can't in, up close. Stunning, meticulous intentionality on this. I don't know that you can, I actually can't see it, but on the inside, there's actually another little elephant I still to this day have no idea how the guy who made this put that in there. No idea. I've looked like, did he glue it back together? I really don't know how he did it. Unless he like, did he chisel it through these holes? I don't know. I remember when I, when I bought that in, in uh, New Delhi, the man who made it was actually there. And there was, there was a, one, he was very careful as he handed it to me. And there was a joy, a, a proud ownership in, in what he had done. And again, I don't know that I would have seen what I've seen the little elephant on the inside had he not pointed it out. How did he know about it? Because he made it. Now, at some point, because I've used this with, with different, uh, the college ministry or whatever, I've used this illustration. At some point, in one of my times bringing it up to the church, this tusk right here got chipped off a little bit. Now, you know what I didn't do? Clearly, I didn't throw it in the trash because it's broken a little bit. No, it's still a beautiful creation. It has purpose. It brings delight. Friends, because of our sin, we are broken. We are sinful. And our brokenness breaks the heart of God. But in his eyes, according to this text, you are still a beautiful, wonderful, remarkable creation of God. So don't call junk what God says is beautiful. He made you and knows you, everything about you, inside and out. You know, as, as you're reading this text, it's... Even that particular part, man, it's, I think it's kind of a famous passage, verses 13 through 16. It's, it's picturesque. And even you, I hate to say the word flowery. I don't mean um, feminine by that, but like it's just, it's, it's poetic. It's beautiful, right? But then you get to verse 19 and it's kind of odd. Jump, we're going to come back to 17 and 18 later, but jump to verse 19. It's beautiful. God made me. Verse 19. God, if you would only kill the wicked, <laughs> you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. God, would you kill those who invoke you deceitfully? Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, I, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Whoa, where did that come from? 
You know, one of the reasons I love this passage is because it's a beautiful and clear and accurate reflection of how off the walls and random our prayer lives can be. Like, if you ever feel a little bit crazy in your prayer life, David says, welcome to the club. <laughs> He's praying. It's beautiful. It's wonder, wonderful. By the way, God, would you smite these people? Would you take care of this problem? Why is, why is David bringing this up, as random as it feels? The fourth truth we see in this text, God knows your struggles. He's praying, he's talking to God about his care for him, his sovereignty over his life, and, and David is being honest. Okay, God, I know you know me, you know my days, but God, would you take care of this problem? I have this struggle, would you do something about it? He's bringing it up in prayer because he knows God knows and he knows God cares. If God didn't know and God didn't care, why even bring it up? God, you see my struggle. <clears throat> You're probably, probably like me in that I can't relate to bloodthirsty men coming after me to take my life. If y'all know something that I should know, let me know after the service, okay? Just kidding. <laughs> but all of us have struggles. And God knows them. Maybe it's that doctor's call you got a few days ago. Maybe it's struggle with a family member. Maybe it's struggle with you're excited about retirement and now you don't know what it looks like that you retire. What do you do with yourself? Maybe it's a struggle with a sin. Maybe it's struggle with past guilt. Maybe it's a struggle with how to point your child in the right direction and raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Whatever your struggle, God knows. And what is the greatest, <clears throat> excuse me, what is the greatest evidence, the greatest proof, the greatest picture that he knows your struggle? He died for you. The point of the cross, the reason for the cross, is he knows we are a broken, flawed, struggling people. He came to redeem us, talked about that last week, because he knows we are in chains. Chains to our sin, chains to our shame, and, and in chains to our struggle. The cross is proof that he knows and he cares. If he didn't know about your struggle, he would have never come down to save us. Think about this. The tree that Jesus was nailed to, that tree was planted by God himself. The crown of thorns that was placed on his head, those thorns were made from the plant that God made himself. He knew your sin, he knew your struggle, and yet all along his plan was to come and redeem you and to one day make all things new. Aren't you looking forward to the day in heaven when we can have a worship service all around the throne of God worshiping and no one's gonna come up and interrupt worship and say, hey, we need to share some deaths that happened recently. There's gonna come an end to that, y'all. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain because Jesus will make all things new and we know it because of the cross and the cross proves he knows your struggle. You are not alone. He knows what weakness is. He knows what struggle is because Jesus struggled. 
knows your struggle. Thinking of, of the days ahead when he makes all things new. Because think about the future. You know, lack of clarity around the future for any of us causes fear, right? Like, don't you wish, don't you wish you knew what tomorrow holds? No. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you would, you might not would get up tomorrow, right? I think about, you know, my, my, my kids, I, I'm told time and time again, and I believe it, like, man, you're going to blink, and they're going to be graduating. I'm like, stop it. But I want to know what their future looks like. Maybe some of you have just come, and you're, you're at tech, and you're excited, but you already, now that you're here at the next best thing, you already wish you could see what the future is. Look back at verse 16. <clears throat> Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Hey, you don't know your future, but you know who does? God knows your future. It's the fifth truth for, from today. God knows your future. He knows all of your days. They were written in his book and planned before a single one of them began. By the way, like if, don't let that derail you into like, oh my gosh, like this like extreme, um, I still believe in free will. Like, so don't mishear me here. But like also don't deny what the Bible says. He wrote all your days that are all planned. If that bothers you, like just, it's in the Bible. I'm sorry, right? He knows your days. The point of the psalmist is not to be, God has my days planned out. He rests and rejoices in the fact that God knows my future. I don't know how to reconcile perfectly. I don't think it's my job or your job to reconcile free will and God knows my future. But I'll tell you one thing, I may not can reconcile it, but I'm going to rejoice in that somebody who loves me, whose name is God, knows my days. And that nothing in my life that I experience, I mean, phrase it this way, everything in my life, everything that touches my life passes through the gracious, sovereign hands of God. Think about that. Nothing you experience has not first been filtered through the days that God wrote for your life. So even though it may be hard, even though it may be a surprise, even though it may be confusing, you can trust God has got me. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this idea. The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night, giving perfect peace. Every time you laid your head on the pillow at night or on your Sunday afternoon nap, you just let it be a reminder that God knows your future. You're not promised tomorrow. You don't know what your next breath holds you don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know who holds tomorrow. He knows it. Think about this. Like if, if we just use the Bible as like a picture of your life for a moment, you and I, we see one page. You, know, if you, try to, you can try to look ahead and see that, other, see that other page, but really we just see one page. He sees everything from cover to cover. And he's written, he's the author, perfecter, the what? Finisher of your faith. He knows your story. He knows your future. So what do we do with that? Like, these are all amazing, beautiful truths that 
God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows where you are. He knows you inside and out. He knows your struggles. He knows your future. Those are incredible things, but, but what do we do with that? But what's, what's the takeaway? I remember uh, last school year, one morning I was driving the kids to school and listening to some worship music. Just, I don't always listen to worship music, okay, but this morning we were. Don't you think too highly of me. And listen to worship music, and um, it's a beautiful West Texas sunrise. And the song we listened to, I don't remember what it was, but mentioned the word miracle or miracles. And the kids asked, hey, what is, what is a miracle? What does that mean? Hey, great question. So I try to be simple. Hey, it's, it's something unexplainable, something supernatural, meaning it's not natural, something only God can do. It's a wow moment. Only God could do that. And one of the kids from the back seat pointed at the sunrise and said, is that a miracle? You better believe it. That massive burning ball of fire rose again. <laughs> and God oversees that. I remember when they, when they asked me that, one I thought was awesome, but two, I was kind of humbled by, hmm, that's not the right word. I was convicted by their sense of awe, A-W-E, and my lack of awe. Wow, a sunrise is a miracle. I'm just driving to school. <laughs> I'm afraid we can read Psalm 139 and have a lack of awe. Like, oh, that's cool. No, the creator, the sustainer of the universe knows you. Not just knows us. Yeah, I know South Christ. No, he knows your name and everything about you. So, so what do we do with this text? I'm gonna give you real, I know it's not in your notes, but again, you're big kids, you got this. Four things real quick, I'll be real simple. What do we do with this? Number one, be in awe. Be in awe of God that he knows me. That's, that's what David did. That's why he says in verse six, again, it's, it's too much for me. I'm, un, I'm unable to reach it. And then in verse 14, he says, I, I will praise you. He's in awe of God's knowledge of him. Walk in awe this week. That may require you to slow down. It may require you to put your phone down and just look around you, remember God's goodness and be in awe that he knows you. A second thing you can do is be encouraged. I mean, some of you feel hopeless, you feel unseen, you, still looked over, you feel looked over, you feel like maybe the clouds, the storms of life have blocked you from God's vision. Be encouraged that he knows where you are and celebrate that. I love verses 17 through 18 where he says, God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. He's encouraged. He sees that God sees him I mean, he's encouraged by that. It's, it's precious to him. God's thoughts are precious to him. And read God's word, get to know him and know that he knows you and be encouraged. That even in your brokenness, your sin, your shame, God sees you and knows you and loves you. Be encouraged. Third thing we can do is be humble. Last time I checked, you nor I were omniscient. We, none of us are omniscient, omnipresent, or omnipotent. 
It's not who we are. God is. So be humble. That's why David says in verses 23 and 24, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. See, when you begin to grasp that God knows you, it should lead you to have this open-handed posture with your life of God. I know you see me. You know my ins and outs. God, would you show me if there's anything in my life that is not pleasing to you? Would you, would, you, would you lead me your way? You know my future. You know what's best for me. God, would you lead me? If you can read Psalm 139 and walk out, yeah, God better know my name. I'm a big deal. You have missed the point. <laughs> it's humbling that Jesus, the one who it says in Hebrews that uh, by the power of his word, he holds the universe together. I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but he holds everything together. Think about that. Jesus on the cross, nails in his feet and his hands, blood dripping from every pore of his body. Even then, he held the universe together. That God knows you. Doesn't shouldn't cause pride. It should cause humility. God, who am I? Lord, because of your incredible might, Lord, would you, I submit to you, would you search me and know me and lead me? So be in awe, be encouraged, be humble. And then lastly, believe. Yes, believer, believe and trust that these truths are true. But some of you this morning, you are, as we read through this text, that doesn't sound like your experience. You're, you're like, okay, I go to church and I sing some songs, but this intimate relationship, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Well, the good news is Jesus died on the cross for your sins and three days later rose again so you could have an intimate relationship with God. Your sins removed, your guilt cleansed, and you walking in purposeful and pleasurable relationship with him. He died for you. Will you believe this morning that God knows you and invites you into a relationship with him? In just a moment, we're gonna have a time of response. There'll be some, some ministers down front and if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you to think through those first three, be in awe, be encouraged, be humble. Like which one of those is the Lord calling you to really lean into this morning and do that as we sing? Like just praise him, be in awe of him, or maybe remind yourselves of how these truths are encouraging. Or maybe I think that something we could all do as believers is this morning, just in this prayer time, response time, just say, God, would you search me and know me? Or is there anything in my life that is not pleasing to you? And you know what? I found prayers like that, the Lord seems to answer really quickly. God, would you, would you point those things out in my life? Making this your prayer. God, I know you know me, but I want to know you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 